Resolving to eat healthier this year was easy, super easy to make up my mind to do it. But actually doing it, yeah, that's not so easy. Better nutrition is a key to health and longevity, and a healthy diet could even help you avoid health risks that run in your family. Field of Greens, interesting name, reminds you of Field of Dreams. But Field of Greens is my healthy super fruit and vegetable habit. It's the only fruit and vegetable product that literally promises better health. Check this out. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you get your money back. If the doctor doesn't notice, you get your money back. Do your vitamins or green drinks that you currently use promise that? Do they promise better health? Nope. Each superfruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for a specific health benefit. Some support your heart, lungs, and kidneys. Others support metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. Look, if you resolve to get healthier in 2024, it starts with Field of Greens. Listen, I've got you 15% off your first order and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code BILL. That's promo code Bill at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Don't forget the promo code, Bill. Welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. We take a look at the news of the day. We have thoughtful conversation about things that matter. John Hinderacher joining us today. He's one of the founders of Powerline, and he's the president of the Center of the American Experiment. We'll tell you about that uh, institution and what happened recently in the news. First, a few things I'd like to discuss. Uh, Claude, um, why don't we, why don't you read um, that news story now? Sure. Yeah. So uh, this news story came out on Friday, given a press release, uh, the Center for the American Experiment, a conservative outfit based in Golden Valley. That's where our friend uh, John Hinderocker his colleagues are, says it was uh, fire. Golden Valley, that's Minnesota, yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Says it was, uh, the officers were firebombed uh, last weekend in what the group is calling a politically motivated, uh, politically motivated violence. Uh, so essentially the office space uh, was, was firebombed, but there were two other conservative groups in that same office space, the Upper Midwest Law Center and Take Charge. They also suffered damage. So John Hinderocker is quoted in this article saying the fires were obviously set by someone and that the fact that um, political businesses in that same complex uh, were um, harmed as well. But the uh, businesses in that complex that were not political were not harmed at all. The fire is being investigated uh, as an arson by, by as, as an arson uh, by the FBI, uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosive uh, and the sheriff's office uh, there as well. So it happened right around 2 a.m. Sunday morning, this is, uh, two Sundays ago. Uh, it started outside the first floor offices of the Center for American Experiment and take charge. And the um, upper Midwest Law Center uh, they're on the third floor, and that's where another fire right outside their offices uh, took place as well. Take Charge, by the way, uh, is ran by a gentleman named Kendall Coles, a black conservative uh, there who runs that. All right. Well, let's talk to John. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. John, we uh, read uh, part of a news story uh, about the fire. Tell me where things stand. Well, um, <laughs> this was our this was arson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was never any question about that. So I think we got to back up just a little bit, Bill, to kind of set the stage. 
uh, two o'clock in the morning. It was it was not this last weekend, but the weekend before Sunday morning, late Saturday night. Somebody broke into the building where Center of the American Experiment and two other conservative organizations are are headquartered. And they started uh, two separate fires on the ground floor, which is where we are. They started a fire in the corridor between the American Experiment Office and the smaller office that we actually leased to a group called Take Charge, which mostly messages to black young people. That's the first floor. They started a fire in that corridor, I think trying to get two birds with one stone. And on the third floor, they, they started that, a Excuse me, is that a conservative group, black group? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're, okay. they're close close friends and collaborators of ours. Yeah. Gotcha. Kendall gotcha. Calls uh, and his wife, Sheila, run that run that organization. Okay. And, and so, so um, and then on the third floor, they started a completely different fire in the offices of the Upper Midwest Law Center, which is a conservative public interest law firm that I helped found and on whose board I serve. So two completely different fires, one on the third floor, one on the first floor. And uh, and so when the first responders got there, it was obvious to them that it was arson. There was never any question about that. And so they immediately brought in the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and the FBI. And those two agencies have been investigating this arson really from the almost the very beginning. And and so the upshot of all this is that the fire uh, did a lot of damage. It completely destroyed the law firm office on the third floor. And if you look at the corridor on the first floor outside of, of my organization's offices, we have 22 people in that office, by the way. It's a, it's a wow. good office. It looks like a war zone. It looks like it's been bombed. I mean, just total devastation. But the sheetrock held. The sheetrock held. And so and so the fire department got there. They got there quickly and they got the fire put out. So my office didn't actually burn, but everything is standing in an inch or two of water and there's massive smoke damage. So right now, the best guess is that it's going to take up to a year, maybe longer than a year before that building can again be inhabited. Why so long? It takes forever. Smoke gets in everywhere. I mean, there's so many things. So, for example, the, the elevators are destroyed. They're going to need whole new elevators. Um, the you know, but the combination of fire damage, water damage, and smoke damage—it's just—it's profound what that does to a building. And this building—it's it, it, a good-sized building. It's only three stories high, but it's—but it's big, and it houses a lot of small businesses, psychologists, chiropractors financial advisors, you know, all kinds of things like that. They were all completely ignored. These arsonists went specifically for the conservative organizations located in that building. Will the uh, those offices of those people be usable earlier? The entire building has been shut down, Bill. I and when you. they reopen it, it's going to be all at once. I see. So everybody's out of business in that building. Yeah, that's right. So as you can imagine, we're scrambling around with a million uh, details. You know, we, we got to figure out replacement space for the next year, maybe longer. You know, we got to we got to work with insurance adjusters to figure out if our wooden furniture might have might be destroyed after spending a couple of weeks in a couple of inches of water. Uh, you know, things like that. There's just an enormous amount of logistics that have got to be figured out to 
transition from one office to another and, you know, keep our work going smoothly. I'm so, so sorry, John. First of all, let me say that. That's that's the kind of boring and awful part. But at the same time, Bill, I've been working closely with the FBI to try to identify the perpetrators. And and that's been very, very interesting and probably more interesting for our listeners to talk about than water damage. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I I, want to hear about that. But first, you know, I don't know the first thing about starting a fire. How do you start a fire like that? Well, ATF is is respond the way they've divvied up the investigation. ATF is doing the fire investigation per se. The FBI is trying to catch the perpetrators. So I've been talking to FBI because that's really where my interest lies, uh, and I haven't really talked yet to the ATF people. But I understand that the arsonists. And I, I say that plural. One person could have committed this crime. My guess is there's a couple of people who who believe that they represent, may actually represent an organization or a movement. And so, for example, uh, ATF looks at the use of accelerants. And I understand that that whoever did this used accelerants. And I think all that means is they had a couple of cans of gasoline and they poured gasoline all over before they struck a match. I think that's all all that that means. Where I've really been more focused is on working with the FBI in trying to identify potential suspects. So that's how you do it, though, just get gasoline and a match. Well, I think that's the easy way. You know, I think if you are a really sophisticated arsonist, there's probably more complex things. And ATF might someday tell me that they did something more complicated. But, you know, my, my best guess at the moment is we're talking about, you know, Gasoline and some matches. Wow. My God. My God. Uh, all right. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me what you think. So so one of the first questions the FBI guy asked me is is ideas about potential perpetrators. Have we gotten threats from people? You know, who do I think might have done this? And it's interesting, Bill, because it's kind of a long list, you know, <laughs> and and I and, and we've passed on to the FBI of uh, threatening communications we've gotten from three or four people. Uh, I get death threats occasionally, as I'm sure you have over the years, but I haven't gotten any real recently. And we we haven't seen a threat that's recent that we really believe to be tied to this arson attack. Uh, so we've passed on some threatening messages, but I, I honestly, my guess is that it's that it's it's not one of those people. So what I told the FBI is that we work across a broad range of issues. And so then that creates a series of possible suspects, right? It could be eco-terrorism. We're very active in the energy space. And as you know, eco-terrorism is a thing. And that, yeah. that is a possibility. Yeah. Another possibility is Antifa types. You know, a couple of years ago when we had the George Floyd riots, we put up 35 billboards around the Twin Cities metro area saying, support our police. And we had a, a petition drive, you know, people signing petitions supporting law enforcement. Well, seven times those billboards got defaced with red spray paint. They would spray paint out the word support and paint in the word murder. So it said murder our police. And the two symbols they would leave behind were a hammer and sickle and the Antifa symbol. 
So, you know, Antifa types are another uh, possibility. A third possibility is public sector unions. You know, we go head to head with the teachers union and other public sector unions all the time. They don't like us. They attack us all the time. Would they actually try to burn down our building? I don't know, but but that is another uh, possibility. Another possibility is uh, pro-Hamas terrorists. We recently announced that... Um, our annual dinner speaker this year. And Bill, you've been our annual dinner speaker, I think, right? Yes, I have. Yes, I yeah, have. You have. You've done that. Uh, you know, Margaret Thatcher did it. The first President Bush did it. We've had very distinguished people. But uh, this year, we, we just recently announced that Naftali Bennett, the former Prime Minister of Israel, is going to be our annual dinner speaker. So, you know, and we've had, you know, pro-Hamas demonstrations here in the Twin Cities. So that's a possibility. And then I would say that the fifth category is just, you know, liberals that are particularly crazy and radical. Wow. Um, is it unfair to your community to say that there's a habit in your part of the world of people doing uh, serious damage to property and getting away with it? You know, Bill, this is my opinion. OK, I think part of what's going on here is that there are people who have decided that they can do just about anything, you know, yeah. without consequences. And as you know, yeah. we had these terrible George Floyd riots, among other things, the rioters burned down the, the third precinct Minneapolis Police Department station. It's never been rebuilt to this day. Police were ordered to evacuate that building and the rioters burned it down and you know, um, we, we, in in November of 2022, Hennepin County elected a new county attorney as the prosecutor for Hennepin County, which includes Minneapolis and some suburbs. And a woman ran for that office on a platform of not prosecuting criminals, and she won. Oh and, my God! Why did she and, win? Why did she win? I, people are Bill, There are some people who are crazy. I don't. I can't explain it. There are a lot of them. There's a bunch of them, you know, and in some places it looks like they're a majority. So so instead of really cracking down on crime, about two weeks ago, she charged a, a Minnesota state trooper with second degree murder arising out of a traffic stop of a convicted felon illegally in possession of a handgun who took off when there were two state patrolmen leaning into his car. And sent them flying. And and as that happened, you know, one of them, you know, was covering him so his partner could, he was refusing to get out of the car, refusing to cooperate, knew he was in trouble, fell in possession of a handgun, right? And so as the one officer is starting to unbuckle him and the other officer is leaning in, covering him with his gun, trying to get a good view, um, the guy takes off, sending the officers flying. And, and the guy who's leaning on the passenger side pulls the trigger it's, it turns out to be a fatal a fatal shot. So the Hennepin County attorney is, is, is now prosecuting that state patrolman with second-degree murder. So I think there's this mentality out there that it's open season. You know, you can just do whatever the heck you want. And I, I do think that is a factor. So the, here's yeah. the good news. So far, Bill, I've only given you bad news. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that's, that. That's all right. But but I'll give you some good news. Um I think there's a pretty good chance that that these perpetrators or this perpetrator will be caught. Why? 
because there's really only one way to get to our building. It's part of a complex of three very undistinguished buildings that date, I think, to the mid-1960s or something. They're off a pretty major highway, uh, and then there's a frontage road parallel to the highway. And and then on, behind these buildings, there's a small lake. I don't, there's no practical way to get to our building other than by driving on that frontage road. That frontage road has cameras. And I, 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 I won't say everything that I've been told by the FBI, but, but I believe that um, there, there's a good chance that they're going to be able to identify, it's two o'clock in the morning. There's nobody on that road, right? I think there's a good chance they are going to be able to identify the perpetrators uh, from that source. And I then see. they're doing other things as well. They're doing, uh, you know, digital search to see if they can identify cell phones that were on the premises. And again, there's only one or two cell phones. Nobody else is in the building. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, John, uh, you know, to conservative ears, uh, the term FBI is now a bit, you know, com- complicated. Are you getting good cooperation? Do you, do you, are you pleased with what you're getting? We're getting we're getting excellent cooperation. Right, right. Here again, I don't want to say too much, but I'll simply say that. Yeah, sure. The FBI guy that I talked to is absolutely um, committed to trying to catch these perpetrators. You know, he's as horrified by this as as you and I and Claude are. And the other thing, I, I think I can say this: um, I got a very nice phone call a couple of days ago, a few days ago now from the United States attorney for the district of Minnesota and uh, you know, personal call on his cell phone uh, telling me he's, he's, you know, he's really concerned with this crime uh, that he's following the investigation very closely, that they're going to do everything they can to try to catch the perpetrators. And, and I've got his personal cell phone number here. And anytime I've got a question or information or whatever, you know, feel free to call him. So, you know, I, you know, if people who comment on Powerline and so on, you know, my website, a lot of people are suspicious of the FBI, and I, I understand why. Yeah, yeah. But at the operational level, at the level that we're dealing with, this is, the, you know, this is not, you know, a liberal organization or a corrupt organization. Yeah, okay. And I, I feel very good about about the investigation. And ATF, alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Yeah, and I just haven't been. I, I need to circle back and talk with them, and I just haven't been focused on that side of it, frankly, because it was so obvious that it was arson. You know, yeah. they're kind of tying up the package, but there's no doubt about it. it never has been, you know. Yeah. So I, I've kind of put my focus on the logistics of dealing with being burned out of our office, number one, and trying to catch the perpetrators, number two. I want to go national and international in a minute, but but a couple more questions, if you're if you're uh, if you're willing. Uh, what's been the coverage uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and what's been happening otherwise? Emails, phone calls, notes, uh, whatever. What's the reaction of the community to this event and to you? Well, the coverage started uh, kind of slowly, um, but that's understandable because. The, the government agencies uh, were not releasing statements. So behind the scenes, I knew what was going on, but we didn't say much the first few days either. You know, we were, we were trying to gather facts. I was kind of hoping, honestly, that the FBI would have a press conference. 
because then the local media would have to cover, you know. But it was clear that wasn't going to happen real soon. And so it wasn't until, um, I think, Thursday of last week that we really went public with what we knew, put out a press conference, started giving interviews. And so the first couple of stories locally were muted. And there were a couple of headlines about, you know, conservative groups claim, you know, but there was never any question about a big arson. That was that was the easy part. Right. But but I, yeah. I think the local media has has pretty much caught up. Every TV uh, station has done a has done a, you know, uh, a story leading the news, you know, in the evening. Uh, the Star Tribune did a story at the end of last week. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny. They didn't even call me on the telephone. You know, they they used a quote uh, that they lifted from our press release, you know, attributed to me as in the press release. But it just seems kind of funny to me that they wouldn't even call me on the phone yeah, to get sure. information, you know, to flesh out the story. It was kind of pro forma, but it was okay. It was okay. There is an enormous amount of national interest in this story. It sure was. I, I heard it on Fox. I mean, I, 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 I haven't even given them an interview yet, but I think I've given, I don't know, 13, 14 interviews. Uh, it, there's been a lot of national interest. Uh, over the weekend, I was on television in Australia uh, talking about it. And the coverage pretty good, pretty fair. Yeah, well, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Okay. Um, and, and I think the, the other shoe is going to drop Bill, if we if we're able to figure out who did it, yeah. you know, uh, then I think, you know, we're going to offer a reward. I, I think Wednesday or Thursday of this week, we're going to we're going to hold a press conference and we'll offer, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar reward for information leading to conviction of the arsonists. And and that may generate, you know, another round of publicity. And then and then if and when the FBI uh, solves the case and they arrest the perpetrators, it'll be really interesting to see who they are. Yeah. John, Bill had mentioned one thing in, in, in that question, it was, and it was the thing that I was wondering, because usually when something like this happens, and, and a lot of times leaning leftward, you see a big outcry of support from the community there, not just like the, the media or any political figures, uh, but just people there. Have you Have you guys seen any support from just other businesses in the facility, uh, other community members uh, there near where your offices are headquartered? Well, a little bit. You know, I, I mentioned the U.S. attorney and, and we've got many, many emails and so on from well-wishers, you know, some, some that we know, some that we don't know. Um, and, um, you know, obviously we want to we're, we're going to be talking about this for a while and and. You know, we're a very effective organization. We're very impactful. And, you and are. sometimes people ask me, well, how do you know you're having impact? And I've got stock answers to that question. But but one of them is, you know, our opponents think we're impactful. And you can see that from the way they attack us and the way we, we they respond to our messaging. And and I think, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk to donors and potential donors about the fact. You know, the other side is very serious about this struggle that we're in for the future of our country. Yes, they are. You know, we see that in many ways, Bill, and you see it every day and I see it every day. But this is just an example. You know, the other side, they're not fooling around. And and to me, the fact that there are people out there willing to go to the extremity of burning down our office, you know, people who are supportive of us ought to take that seriously and it ought to 
really motivate them to, um, you know, to, to continue and expand their support. So there's not any thought of closing down or shutting down or slowing down the operation, if anything, the opposite, right? Oh, Bill, Bill, surely you jest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, je- I do jest. I know you. I know you. <laughs> no, Good we've got you. a very dedicated and highly motivated staff, and uh, everybody is just fired up to redouble our uh, our efforts. Are you going ahead with the dinner? Oh, yeah. It's not until June. Uh, yeah, we're going ahead with everything. And one of the things we had a staff. How meeting, are you working? How are you working? Well, remote for the moment, remote for the moment, because, of course, we don't have an office. But but one of the messages that we have a staff meeting every every Monday morning. And one of the things I said was, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You know, don't don't yeah, stop yeah, kind of yeah. looking around at the fire. You know, if you're doing research, research. If you're writing a paper, write the paper. If you're scheduled to appear at an event in Mankato, go to Mankato, you know. Don't don't slow down and and, you know, let me worry about the logistical issues, but just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Don't lose the time. So my hope is that in the next, I don't know, two, three weeks, maybe we will be in replacement office space. You know, a lot depends on whether our furniture is salvageable. If it's not, you know, then I got to look at a timeline to get a whole new set of furniture. And as I as I mentioned, we've got 22 people working in that office. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a yeah, substantial yeah, office. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry it happened. Um, it is the times in which we live. And you guys are great. You guys are the point of the spear. Um, you're very effective. You have these uh, local uh, uh, instantiations of your work, too, around the state, right? You oh, know, yeah. We're, as you know, Bill, we're very outward facing, right? So we yeah, have yeah. a massive communications effort. And we, and we also have five chapters located that's, in various cities around the yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've got an event coming up. I forget the exact, I think it's maybe the eighth of this month in Mankato. And we had people, you know, signing up, RSVPing for the event. Well, when news of the fire got out, all of a sudden, you know, that went, that shot upward, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. People, you know, people are going to be motivated by this. John, people who want to contribute, uh, could you tell us uh, how they do it? AmericanExperiment.org is our website. In the upper right-hand corner of the homepage, there's a red button that says Donate. And the simple thing is just click that button and uh, it takes you to a page where you can very easily donate whatever whatever amount uh, works for you. AmericanExperiment.org. Right. And Claude will put that in uh, in print, right? Absolutely. In the show notes, Good. on social media, you know, all of, all of our channels, <laughs> for sure. Well, let's, let's go national. It won't be hard. Um, crime and lawlessness. Uh, we see this tape rolling endlessly, uh, not of... Uh, your catastrophe there, but of uh, New York, that beating of the cop. Uh, and then these guys go in and then they're released and they end up giving the bird to everybody on the, on the way out. Um, it's unbelievable, he, Bill. It's yeah, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? And, and one of the things that's so mystifying to me, and we kind of touched on this earlier a little bit, but, you know, who's in favor of this? I mean, no one's in favor of this, Right. You know, I'm sure you've seen the footage where where CNN is a couple of CNN you know hosts are are talking to somebody and he's explaining about these theft rings in New York and they'll steal stuff in New York and they'll go down to Florida and party and spend their money and then they'll come back to New York and steal some more. 
And somebody says, well, well, why don't they just steal down in Florida? And the guy says, well, Florida, you go to jail. Yeah. And, and the CNN people just sit there silently for like 10 seconds. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's how it works, you know. But, you know, you look at something like that horrible, horrible incident in New York. And what constituency do these public officials think they are serving when, when they have this revolving door, you know, no bail, walk out the door, go flee to well, another but, state. I don't get it. But, John, you, we said earlier, you, you told me about the, the district attorney or no, not the DA. Who would you tell me about the you woman? Know, county was, attorney. Was the county DA. attorney. Yeah. The DA. Who was elected? And we said, who would these people vote for? Do that, don't some of them know what she stands for? Well, that was her. It was her platform, Bill. It was her platform. You know, anti-police, soft on crime. You know. So I mean, I, I mean, you're answering your own question. Uh, you know, no one supports them. No, I, I don't think you're right. I think some people do. Somebody, and some people do, and won't even say they will, but they do. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you another example of that, Bill. Right now, uh, our legislature is about to go into session here in Minnesota. And one of the things that they're proposing and which our governor has gotten behind is making Minnesota a sanctuary state. No cooperation with the immigration authorities. Well, you look at the polling on illegal immigration, you know, and crime and so on. You know, you might you might say, well, that's political suicide. You know, why would they do that? You know, and yet uh, they do. You know, we had an incident in um in Minneapolis, you might remember this. This goes back probably a year or so, maybe a little bit longer now. But somebody, what was she? A public official, a legislator, a DFL legislator, if I remember correctly, but a public official who had been very vocal about defunding the police. Well, she got carjacked, violently carjacked in her own driveway in front of her children. And oh she's turned God. into the most ferocious advocate for law and order and criminal prosecution. You know, it's the old line about how a neoconservative is a liberal who's been mugged. Yeah. You know, you would you would think that with the volume of crime we've seen in the last few years, it's just hard to imagine a, a mentality where where somebody would, as in that TV show, you know, get raped and then say, oh, no, don't prosecute the, the rapist. I I guess I would have to see that to believe it. Yeah, you know, I don't want to mispronounce her name, but yeah, the second vice chairwoman for the Minnesota Democrat Farmer Labor Party, essentially, is the woman you're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah. again, a defund the police person in broad daylight, four young men, all carrying guns, assaulted her in front of her children, carjacked her. Yep. How do you know this, Claude? Oh, um, the internet, essentially. I mean, as John was oh, you looked it up as was, John yeah. was talking. Yeah. One thing that I do know, I mean, so here in D.C., it's very interesting, too, John. So uh, the, the D.C. government is looking for uh, to put together uh, tougher crime bills uh, in D.C. Uh, because of the increased carjacking, uh, robberies. And so what, a, a couple of things that they want to do, and again, D.C. is super liberal. Uh, they want to create a drug-free zone in, in, in D.C. You know, essentially a drug-free zone. Anyone in a group of two or more people believed to uh, be gathered for the purpose of committing a drug-related crime, they're going to be asked to disperse. If they refuse, they can be arrested. Well, that sounds like racism, right? If you, if, if a police officer thinks, wait, these guys look suspicious and they happen to be black and you ask them to disperse and they say, no, they can arrest. But aren't these the same people who, who says, you know, we've got to defund the police and the, and the criminal justice system is, 
is, um, you know, geared uh, negatively towards black people. Also, organized retail theft. You see these, you know, mob stealing of things in certain stores. They want to add a maximum of 10 years for just first degree theft if the merchandise value exceeds 500 or consists of 10 items over 30 days. It's just funny how it sounds good until it hits your front door. And when it's a political talking point, sure, it's fun to say. But when stores are starting to leave your cities because you're not prosecuting people who are breaking in and stealing stuff or people can't drive and park, go to a show and dinner and come back and expect to get back home safely because they've been carjacked. Now you've got to do something. But years ago, you're saying defund the police. You're saying that the criminal justice system is targeting black people. But then you can't ignore the actual crime that is happening right in your city. And you have to do something because you're an elected official. You know, reality sometimes just smacks you upside the head, Claude. Exactly like what you're talking about. What's kind of remarkable to me is that I I would have thought that all of these liberals would be doing a 180. And some of them have, you know, to be fair, some of them have. But but it's I, I think it's kind of remarkable that 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 it hasn't been more of a backlash. You know, you're still seeing, you know, like in New York City, you know, you're still seeing yeah. a revolving door. You're still seeing people reluctant seemingly to actually prosecute criminals. And man, I just don't get that. You know, with, with what we've seen going on in our cities, especially our blue cities, uh, I, I, I just don't understand, you know, why people are not up in arms demanding law enforcement. They may just shut down Oakland, California, I gather. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're closing, well, closing so many stores. You know, Bill, even, even burger joints. Yeah. 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 Well, I can remember when, you know, San Francisco is the shining city. Oh, and no kidding. And it's uh, full of tourists and it's safe and wonderful. And Oakland was sketchy. You know, that's been true for a while. Well, well, now, you know, San Francisco, you know, it's hard to keep stores open in San Francisco. Those property values, which have been soaring for how many years, you know, for decades, yeah. now, are now plummeting. And, and companies are moving out and stores are being closed. And, you know, you can't, you, they're talking about converting these empty office buildings into Section 8 housing. Yeah. I read yeah. about that. And I think, yeah, that's going to draw a lot of tourists. This is a great city yeah, sure. out here. Yeah, come visit our city. You know, what used to be office buildings, now Section 8 housing. I mean, you know, it's it's what's happening is so terrible. It's amazing to me that the backlash isn't even stronger. You know, it, it has been said, I want to get into this a little later, but it has been said that in, in ways we don't even understand, uh, the president of a country sets the tone for the country. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if a lot of people have internalized the values of Joe Biden, at least the spoken values. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, and we'll talk about that. But it is remarkable to me. I mean, here's this guy. Can't think of his name. Claude will get it instantly or on the Internet, or you may know it, John. Worked for Donald Trump and um, executive in the Trump administration. And he's in his car, daylight, 9th and K Street. You know where that is, John? Downtown, pretty much middle of downtown. And a guy steps over and blows his brains out and takes his car. Yeah, Mike Mike Gill was his name. Yes. And um I mean I m- maybe now you got in DC as Claude was describing John the the um the, the uh the urban equivalent of the of the the liberal who gets mugged, you know. City that gets mugged uh becomes neoconservative and then so they're f- trying to find ways now in 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 DC 
but I, I, I don't know. I don't know where the impetus comes from, but I'm, I'm worried, John, that actually a lot of people would say, not that they're in favor of it, but they're kind of agnostic. It's because of what they've been taught, what they've learned in school, what they've seen on TV. I mean, I, I, I do think that's that's possible. Yeah, I, I think it's just impossible to overestimate the extent to which the left sneaked up on us yeah. in K through twelve education. Yeah. And I, I admit I was asleep at the switch. I knew the universities were horrible. I I only in recent years have I come to understand, oh no, no, that's the least of it. What's the real problem, the big problem is K through twelve and the teachers' unions. Yeah. And you're embarrassed about it, about having been asleep but how about me i was the secretary of education i did this john yeah i, I did this i know it i know it, it happened on my watch i mean i i was i was talking about it but yeah, um, yeah. And, and then you got the rest of the culture you know you've got you've got tv and movies and so on and you know, the only villains they're interested in are interested in are white supremacists. Well, someday I, I'm looking forward to meeting my first white supremacist. You know, I, I haven't, know, I haven't encountered any. one yet, but maybe someday I, I'm going to run across a white supremacist. I, I don't think that's a very numerous, numerous group. And I, I think if you're walking down the street at one o'clock in the morning, you're probably not looking around worried that there might be white supremacists somewhere lurking in, lurking in the alley. No, I don't think you are. There's I this whole alternative universe, this whole alternative reality that gets portrayed in popular entertainment and also, I think, depicted in, in the schools. Well, take a poll, you know. Um, you know, I mean, I, the, the polls are bad for Biden and they're very strong about the border, but it's still 25, 30 percent of the people think the border policy is fine. Uh, you know, Oregon voted to decriminalize all the use of all drugs. All of them. I mean, people are voting this way. Any, anyway, I don't want to dwell on it. I'll just get depressed. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but, that's, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's a phenomenon that we're seeing, no doubt about it. And partly, Bill, there's this sorting of the states into blue and red, where it seems like the blue states get bluer, the red states get redder. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And people flee the blue states for the red states. Yeah, I think I told you about my argument with Alan Gelzo. You know who Alan Gelzo is? I Lincoln, so. Lincoln scholar at uh, Gettysburg and often mm -hmm. teaches at Princeton, has written wonderful books on Lincoln uh, and writes occasionally for the Wall Street Journal. And he said, you know, this, this, we are more divided at any time in American history now uh, than than the time of the Civil War. And I wrote him and said, I think we're maybe more divided than the time of the Civil War. Of course, we don't have the enormous bloodshed and, and a, an actual war. But culturally, there were more uh, likenesses and agreements among people in the North and South then about, you know, God and family. And, well, know, let me let me amplify then, that. Then, 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 then now. Yeah. Where, well, where and, if you take, I mean, a Pelosi vo voter versus a Alabama voter, you know, go ahead. No, I think you're right about that. But I would take it another step. And I would say that, it, you know, at the time of the Civil War, both North and South claimed to be the legitimate heirs of the Revolution and the Constitution. Mm -hmm. You know, the Southerners thought they yes. were the ones who were consistent with the founding and in some ways, you can argue that they had a point, you know, uh, but both the North yeah, and had, the they, South. 
uh, both the North and the South, looked to that common political and cultural tradition and claimed to be its true inheritors. That's not true anymore. Now people on the left openly hate America. They despise the Constitution. They look Fair down point. on the founding. I'll give you a quick example of that, Bill. You may have heard about the controversy over the new state seal and state flag here in Minnesota. And I'll just mention one aspect of it. The state seal has always had the year 1858 along the bottom because that's the year when Minnesota joined the union. The new version of the state seal agreed on by a left-wing committee appointed by our governor has deleted the year 1858 from the state seal because joining the union was a tragedy. It is a tragedy that Minnesota became part of the United States of America, not something to celebrate. Well, do you worry a little bit, um, and I don't want my, my listeners to get all mad at me, do you worry a little bit um, about Governor Abbott, uh, I, and, I, and I love what he's doing, but that sometimes it looks to me like an old states' rights compact argument, Jefferson Davis style? No, I really don't, Bill. I mean, I think he's got a point in terms of constitutional okay. interpretation. Uh, okay, good. And um, no, I mean, I, I, with, with millions of illegals flowing across the border as a result of the deliberate policy choices of, of the Biden administration, they're doing this on purpose. It's not, it's not like they're trying and failing to control the border. You know, no, we don't need legislation, by the way. There's all this no. talk about. No, this. He, no, he can do it with a stroke of the pen. He can do it with a, he, he with a stroke of the pen. Joe Biden can close that border and a call and, to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 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 just and, and the other thing is, you know, he's got plenary authority if he decides that any category of of immigration is a, is 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 contrary to the national interest, he can stop it. And so the the number one thing he should do is say no more asylum, no more asylum period. Close the border, you know, build the wall, put up barbed wire, do all that stuff, but also just terminate any kind of immigration on the ground of being a refugee seeking asylum. Because everybody in the world has figured out, has been told that our border is open and all you have to do is show up and say the magic word asylum and they'll bus you somewhere. They'll fly you somewhere. Or you can hitchhike to California, you know, whatever. And and so Joe Biden has all the tools he needs, but he wants an open border. Is that for votes? You know, I scratch my head a little bit. People say that they're playing the long game and these people are going to be naturalized. They're going to be legalized. They're going to have children. Of course, they'll be citizens. Um, and so on. And I think all that's true. I, I, I question whether it's enough to to explain everything that they're doing. Yeah, you know? no, it, it isn't enough. You're right. Something else. Trump did it. So we're going to do the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is they want chaos. They want decline. They want to hurt America. And God they, knows. Yeah. <laughs> and they understand that if we have 9 million illegal immigrants streaming across the border, it's going to cause a lot of chaos and it's going to do a lot of damage. And and I wonder sometimes the other thing it's going to do is to create an enormous demand for government agencies and people in the so-called helping professions 
Well, gosh, who are those people? (laughs) Joe Biden wants that. Yeah, I, you know, so I think there, I think there are multiple uh, incentives. But at the end of the day, I do struggle to understand why they do something that is so deeply unpopular. Well, he does too. Yeah, you know, I know him pretty well. I, you know, he confirmed me or recommended my confirmation out of judiciary when I was drug czar, and um, you know, we got to know each other pretty well, and he told me a couple times your your proposals are strong and I, I think they're pretty strong but they're not strong enough <laughs> I don't think you're tough enough Mr. S- Mr. Secretary Joe, Joe Biden had a long career as kind of a conservative yeah Biden about a lot of issues you know he was making noises that were how he actually voted I guess I, I haven't tried to figure out but boy it's night and day, the things he used to say, you know, 20, 25 years ago with what he's doing now. Let's come to, to politics here at the end. I'm going to keep you keep you another 10 minutes. Sure. Foreign policy. What's going on there? What are we afraid of with Iran? I mean, are we afraid of a, a big war with Iran? or We got, a, what, 170 attacks on us and. You know, one of the one of the most recent ones killed three soldiers, three black soldiers, two women, and black women. Forty more. That's right. Yeah, um, and and we don't respond very strongly. What what's that about, John? So so since October, as you say, Bill, you got that. That's exactly right. Since October, one hundred and seventy attacks by Iranian proxies on. American personnel and assets in the Middle East. And and throughout this time, the constant mantra of the Biden administration has been, we don't want a wider war. We don't want a wider war. That's been the overwhelming priority. And by wider war, they mean something above and beyond the conflict going on between Israel and Hamas. And the problem, of course, is that if, if, if you're actions are interpreted as manifesting weakness, you increase the risk of a wider war. You don't lower the risk, you increase it. Yeah. And hence the 170 attacks and hence the fact that the Iranians now feel comfortable killing American soldiers. And so finally, belatedly, we see the 85 airstrikes, which they telegraph. They gave a couple of days worth of warning and, and, um, the reports of casualties from the enemy are amazingly low, which makes me wonder, you know, what they actually hit. And we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, once again, we, we see that we see that being perceived as being weak in foreign policy just doesn't work. Weak in foreign policy, weak in the border, weak on law and order, um, weak on the economy. And yet I, I have I have a serious worry he's going to win again. And the reason for my serious worry is the number of people in almost every poll who say they will not vote for Donald Trump under any circumstances. Well, I hope some of those people change their mind by November. <laughs> no, you know. am, I, am I right about my, my reading of the numbers, though? Yeah, I mean, well, let me just back up for a moment. A year ago, Bill, I was confidently predicting that neither Joe Biden nor Donald Trump was going to be on the ballot. Because the Democrats would be crazy to nominate Biden, and the Republicans would be crazy to nominate Trump. 
Well, here we are, and it looks like we're going to have the election that neither candidate can possibly win. All right. Well, you were wrong about your prediction, but were you right in your analysis? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if 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 your fear comes true and Joe Biden gets reelected, talk about a self-inflicted wound by the Republicans. Anybody except Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden. I mean, Biden is so frail and incompetent. And, you know, I mean, it's he's, he's a sad shell of a man. His policies are unpopular. His administration has been one of failure on one front after another. Anybody but Donald Trump would crush him in November. But Donald Trump? Well, I don't know. I mean, Trump is doing pretty well against Biden in the polls, for what that's worth. Um, and obviously, the national polls don't mean all that much. you got to look at the swing state polls. It's a long way from here to November. I guess that's that's the only point I would make, Bill. It's a long, long way. Well, I would I would make this point. That's those are the polls. I would look at the swing state polls, and some of those look pretty good for Trump. But remember, you're you're going against if you're if you're supporting Trump or any other Republican, you're going against the Democratic Party. And it occurred to me, you know, a couple of months ago. What are they going to do? How, what kind of dirty tricks are they going to do this time? And lo and behold, there's Colorado, you know, not putting them on the ballot. Yeah, and, right. And right. Maine doing the same. And I mean, I I believe they'll stuff the ballot boxes. I believe they'll do whatever it takes to win. And you know, that they're after, better, better at this game than we are. After the 2020 election, Bill, I was on Australian television on Sky News and I was asked about about the integrity of the election. And I and one of the things I said is that if the Democrats didn't steal the election, it wasn't for lack of trying. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna we're gonna see all of the above. You know, we're gonna see, you know, and, and of course the, the 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 biggest thing the Democrats do, and Republicans try to do it, but less effectively the real tragedy is that the worst thing or the most important things that they do are are, are legal. You know, ballot. I know, I know, I know. One yeah. of the things we're seeing is that there are more ballots being cast by far than there ever have been in the past. Why is that? Well, it's because we have an election autumn instead of an election day. It's because it's because in, in, in I think in most states, if not all states, you can see who's voted and who hasn't. And both parties have got databases and, and really know who their voters are. Yeah. So, you know, that incentivizes these massive campaigns to turn out your voters over the space of a month or even longer than a month to go to their apartments, their nursing homes, their houses, collect their ballots, you know, drive around, pick up ballots, you know, take them and, and pass them all. And and undoubtedly there's there's plenty of dishonesty in that process. But but the real tragedy is that, you know, fundamentally, that's legal. Let me go back to my, my first point, though. Um, conservatives and a lot of conservative media like to consistently point to the negatives on Biden, but they don't talk about the negatives the public has toward Trump, which are very, very clear. Well, there, you and I both know Republicans and what swing voters who say, I just can't vote for Trump. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I live in Minnesota, you know, um, and, and in the Minnesota South, you talk about the suburban women who are the, the biggest block of swing voters in my state. They hate Donald Trump. They Mm -hmm. hate him. I mean, not, not a hundred percent, but overwhelming majority can't stand him. And, and, you know, we, we lost both the house and the Senate in Minnesota just by a whisker in 2022 and and everyone was surprised everybody thought the republicans were going to hold the senate take the house didn't happen because of the dobbs decision yeah well with their one vote majority the democrats forced through an unbelievable unbelievable list of terrible legislation and they've got more uh lined up for for this year and I think in a, in a normal political year, the Republicans would take back the Minnesota House in 2024. I think that would be an easy prediction to make because a lot of the things the Democrats have been doing are very unpopular. However, if Donald Trump is at the top of the ballot in the state of Minnesota, it's going to have a very negative impact on the Republicans' ability to win those state offices. You know, forget about the national office, but the state offices. And for those suburban women, John... It's not only Trump, it's also Dobbs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, you know, the Democrats will try to play that tune again, I'm sure. Oh, I think so. What are they say, saying? They're going to try to put uh, Dobbs issues on the ballot in the swing states. Well, they're they're talking. I'm not sure if they're going to do it. You know, in Minnesota, they legalized abortion up to and including the moment of birth and in some cases thereafter. Okay, so thereafter. abortion law can't get any more liberal. But nevertheless, they're talking about putting it on on the ballot as a constitutional amendment, even though the Minnesota Supreme Court held some years ago that there's a Minnesota constitutional right to abortion. So they're just, you know, they're just going to that well over and over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you hazard a guess? You don't know, right? Yeah, I don't know either. 24, election 24. Well, you know, it's the election that neither candidate can win. You know, I know. What, one of the things I've said is you're pretty that, sure that they're the candidates, though, now. Yeah, no, I mean, sadly, it, you know, it looks that way. I guess if I had to flip a coin, Bill, I would say that I don't think Joe Biden can be reelected. I guess I guess when push comes to shove. I think I think some of the people who say today that they won't vote for Trump are going to hold their noses and vote for him or, or stay home. And I just can't see Joe Biden getting reelected. Does this assume a fair election? I don't know. All um, right. Okay. You know, the, the, people talk people talk about the margin of fraud. You know, what's the margin of fraud? It's only one or two percent, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. You know, it, it varies obviously from state to state. If you, yeah. if, if you're in a state that's got the city of Philadelphia in it, yeah, you know? yeah, no, that's right. No, no, yeah, well, no. You, but, no but, remember you know, the, Michael Barone's great piece, the forty nine percent nation. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, you got to kind of work it through on a a very detailed analysis, state by state. You know, and at the end of the day, you don't know how much fraud there is. I'll just give you a quick example of that you know in twenty twenty in twenty. 20, not 22, but 2020, um, Minnesota was one of, I think, 12 or 15 states where there were there were collusive lawsuits between the Democratic Party, in effect, using three or four Democrats as, as named plaintiffs 
and a Democratic sec Secretary of State. And, and they sued, alleging that on account of COVID, certain ballot integrity requirements, like having a witness signature on a mail-in ballot, should be suspended for the 2020 election. And the Secretary of State would then immediately settle that case by saying, oh, you're right, I'll suspend those requirements. Well, the Secretary of State has no such power, no such constitutional authority. But they would enter into these collusive lawsuits, and in Minnesota, they started one case in federal court, one case in state court, different plaintiffs. So the DFL party had two bites at the apple. The federal judge refused to approve the so-called settlement because it was collusive and not supported by any showing. State court judge approved it. So in 2020, the requirement of witness signatures on, you know, there's like a million mail-in ballots in Minnesota that year. And that requirement was suspended. Well, why did they do that? Well, they did it to make it easier to cheat, right? Yeah, uh, sure. And, and there's no way to know, you know, unprecedented numbers of ballots are being cast. And there's no way to know how many fraudulent ballots were the result of those, I would say, unconstitutional changes in various states' election laws. So part of the problem, Bill, is you just, you know, you, we, we don't know. We don't know. Let me just say, and this is just self-protective here, lest some, one of my conservative listeners grabs a gasoline can. Sorry, John, I don't mean to make a joke out of your predicament, but I'd be, I'd be very happy with a Trump presidency overall. I mean, I, you know, there are things he does I don't like, but he ran a pretty good country, John. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I, 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 I mean, it's an easy choice. If it's Trump versus Biden, you know, I'm in there easy. pulling the lever for Trump, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm in there 100%. It's just that the, the reason I'm saying this, folks, is because I just don't think he can win. And I'm worried that given what we've been saying, Dobbs, their willingness to try anything, your comment to Australian media, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying if they didn't cheat. Um, and the fact that there are, you know, there, there obviously there's a lot of opposition to Biden. I was just a pausing because I'm trying to think if I know anybody who said, you know, I just can't vote for Biden. I mean, I know a lot of people who say I won't vote for Biden, but you don't see that, you know, I cannot vote for this man kind of thing, except with Trump, because there's so many of them. That's what I'm worried about. But I, I don't think there's any way to stop Trump at this point, is there? Or that the well, Trump can I don't be think so. You know, I no. held out hope that the polls didn't mean much, that, you know, I was always saying, let's let some people vote. You know, we've never awarded the nomination based on yeah. polls before. And then, early leaders in the polls frequently crash and burn once people actually <laughs> start going to the We've seen that over and over. But to me, the significant thing about Iowa and New Hampshire is that yeah. the polls were right. And they were, and the two states agreed for the first time in a million yeah. years, right? Yeah, yeah. And now we go to South Carolina, where his most serious opponent is the governor, and she's going to get trumped there. She's going to get trounced. I, Big I, time. I, 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 I agree with you, Bill. I, I see this train going down the tracks. I, I don't see anything stopping it. Yeah. All right. Can we end on any kind of happy note, or is is there none to sing, or even hum? <laughs> It is America, isn't it? It's still America. Bill. Can we figure we it out? We are, we are still free men. And like free men, as long as there have been free men, we have to fight for our freedom.
Yeah. And and Bill, you've been doing that for a long, long time. I've been doing it for a shorter time. But nobody ever said it was going to be easy. And nobody ever said that the fight was ever going to be over. You know, the forces of evil, the, the, the people that want to rule over us, tell us how to live are still there. They haven't gone away. And the fight for freedom uh, is never going to end. It's, you know, at least not, you know, I mean, it might, it might end the wrong way, uh, you know. For a long time, like it did in the Soviet Union, but but you know, so so I think we should, yeah. we should take joy in the fact that we are free Americans, and like generations before us, we are fighting to to maintain that freedom and pass it on to our children. I've been reading uh, Chernow's uh, massive biography of uh, Hamilton, uh, and uh, forget who it is. It's Washington or Adams, I think, who believes that this republic would last about twenty or thirty years. Well, we've certainly outdid that by a long shot. I think we've got the longest, uh, the, the Constitution that has been in effect continuously for the longest time, written Constitution That's right. in any country. We have lived longer continuously under a single document than anyone in history. And um, unlike France, there's a joke. I think it's British. Yeah, a guy goes into the British Museum, and which, of course, is a library, right, and says, I'd like a copy of the French Constitution, please. And the clerk says, I'm sorry, we don't keep periodicals here. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we got one, though. We got one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's. You know, and it's like the floods and everything else in America. It's it's when, you know, you see the best of America when things are really down, you know. Then you see Americans come to it. They 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 figure it out. But Churchill say it's, you know, after they the Americans have tried everything else, they'll do the right thing, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. Well, I, I think, you know, there's there's really not an alternative to optimism, is there, Bill? I mean, what's the point of being? No, 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 no. You know, what's no. the point? You know, we've got to be optimistic. We've got to think that our, our, our people are going to muddle through this situation as they have many times in the past. And our country is going to is going to persist. How long have we burdened John Hinderock or Claude? No, oh, for over an hour. He, he's oh he's done his time. He's done his time. John, we think of you, and we're so sorry about what happened. Um, I, I know you're going to hear from some of our listeners, and, um, and God bless you, and keep us informed of the work, and please say hi to my, I wish you were my cousin, Mr. Bennett, Naftali Bennett. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an exciting event. You well, thank you is. very much, Bill. Always, always a pleasure to be with you. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. That does it for today's show to catch up on previous episodes of the show. Where do you go, Claude? You can go to thebillbennettshow.com. Also, wherever you get your fine podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get it, you can get this show. Excellent. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook to search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We will catch up next week.